no, we can do better than that. Hello. Hello. Loads better. You guys are up for it, aren't you? Very much so. Really good to be here. Uh, have you enjoyed the worship so far? Why don't we show our appreciation to the band and fabulous job. Um, I'm on telly. That's quite frightening. In fact, that's really frightening. What's really frightening is that. I used to have lots of it. I used to have a hairdryer. That's true. One of the big things before I, uh, I got married to Andy, I'll talk about that in a moment, is uh, she's a girl, by the way. Um, but uh, she went away for a, a kind of like a girl's weekend just to decide whether she wanted to marry me or not. And she said, uh, there's two things about him. She says, one, he's got, a, he's got a claw for a toenail. I have. I'm not showing it. It's staying well within my shoes. She said, but he uses a hairdryer. Guy's weird. Uh, anyway, I've been relieved of my hair. So uh, praise God for that. Uh, really good to be here. I, I was looking last night on, uh, on the church notices about uh, uh, you're going into a time of Lent. Uh, and, and fasting, uh, so I, I brought a little Mars bar as a backup, just in my back pocket, just in case I, I, I need it. But in, in church, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you always hope for uh, those um, people of good standing, good character. Um, you know, they're not perfect, but uh, you, you'd hope that they would be, you know, especially if they call uh, themselves your friend, uh, that, you know, that, that they would look after you, they'd cover your back. Un until you actually go out for a drink with them and, uh, and they nick your phone. And then they take photographs of themselves. This is your cue at the back. They take photographs of themselves. <laughs> and, and, and bless them. There's a real identity crisis going on here, isn't there? I, I love that one. That's the, that's the best one, really. That is, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? Kind of look. Uh, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, let's just uh, let's just stretch out our hand a little bit towards uh, Pastor Lenton. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Andy, would you just like to uh, say, well, let's say this in his prayer. We might as well go straight to there. And uh, and so the prayer is this: Repeat after me, Andy. Uh, dear Ian. I'm really sorry. <laughs> he had to think about that, didn't he? That I stole your phone. I will never do it again. Ah, see. There's no, re there's, there's no repentance in the house of God this morning. Sorry, if you're a guest, that's called fun. Um, and it's just because, do you know what? There's a... There's a there's an impression that if we follow Jesus or follow God, somehow we kiss our brains goodbye and somehow it takes all the fun out of life. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been following this person, Jesus, since I was 14. I want to make it clear right at the beginning that because of this man, Jesus, who is not a myth, who is not a fable, who is not a fairy story, my life was turned the right way up. My life is transformed. I am forgiven. I am healed. I know who I am. I know why I'm here. I'm not a number. I'm a name. I know why I'm meant to be here. And, so, and we'll unpack this over the next five hours. But 
many of you in this room this morning, you haven't a clue who you are. A friend of mine says this, an Hamilton, uh, you know, physicist. I'm just warmed up, by the way. Okay, this isn't the talk, okay? Don't look at your watch, because that's, that's just not going to help you. But he says this. He says this. My science tells me how I'm here. My faith tells me why I'm here. Two most important days in our lives, ladies and gentlemen, are the days that we're born and the day that we find out why. But I am. I'm, uh, I'm married to Andy. Uh, if you want to stick the slide up of my family, uh, this is my crowd. I'm married to Andy. She's a girl. Uh, 23 years uh, married. We have four amazing children. Uh, they're, uh, they're a bit older and a bit uglier than that at this moment in time. Um, so Jake is my son. He's 19. Uh, watch out for the name Jake J. Wilson. He's uh, going to be a famous actor and model one day. Um, he says he is now. What's interesting about Jake, do you know what this? He says, Dad, I'm not, bothered about, I'm not bothered about the platform. I'm not bothered about the reputation of fame. He says, I just want to be God's man in Hollywood. He says, because Hollywood is broken. Hollywood is empty. And I want to go in there with the kingdom of God. Do you know what? Well done, sir. But I then have three beautiful girls. Three beautiful girls. Um, they're all single because I'm their dad. And uh, Imani, so we lived in Tanzania for 10 years. Uh, anybody keep, speak Kiswahili in the audience this morning? Oh, Mungo Akabariki. Sorry, that was just a moment between me and them. And uh, so Imani means faith. So Imani Faith Wilson, uh, she's gorgeous. And any of you single men in this room, stay clear of her. Uh, then we have Nema, Nema Grace, because Nema means grace, uh, and she's wonderful. She's uh, 13, going on 22. And then this little one is uh, Maisha. Now, Maisha means life, which Maisha, life, Wilson, which made her sound like an insurance policy. So we changed her name to, to Maisha Hope. And uh, she was 11, uh, well, she was 11, uh, like, tomorrow. And uh, I've just come from my home where there are uh, 15 11-year-old girls who were on a sleepover in our house last night. And it was the will of God for them last night that they were not going to sleep at all. And uh, so do you know what? I'm so glad to be here. Um, in fact, I'm staying. I've got a bed for the night through the back there. Um, all right. There's a man who's stand, just about to stand up and speak, a little bit like this. There's about 3,000 people in the auditorium, and uh, he's sitting next to a bloke next to him, and as he leans forward to get his notes, his dentures fall out. Well, I'm a dentist. It's got to be a dental story. His dentures fall out of his mouth and smash in front of his feet, and he's thinking, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness, I'm just about to speak. What am I going to do? And he looks at this guy, and this guy says not a word. Reaches into his bag, pulls out a set of complete dentures, passes it to him. The boy puts his dentures in their mouth. Perfect fit. In fact, better than the ones before. 
And he delivers his speech, and it's fantastic. He gets a round of applause, and he goes back to the guy later on. He says, unbelievable, unbelievable. Who could have thought that just before I'm about to speak, and that my dentist, who could have thought that I would be sitting next to a dentist? The boy turns around and said, I'm not a dentist, I'm an undertaker. People's understanding of God or Jesus can actually be a misunderstanding. I meet so many people who say this. I don't believe in a God that does that. I don't believe in a Jesus. And I say, well, what type of Jesus do you believe in? And then they give me this list of this Jesus that is all based out of myth and presupposition. An opinion. And I said, but, well, I don't believe in that Jesus either. And what I want to do this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is just unpack perhaps that our understanding of Christianity has been precisely that, a misunderstanding. And that actually this Jesus wants to speak to us and have that relationship with us. I don't know about you, but at my school, there was a rash that if you caught this rash... It was a guaranteed two weeks holiday off school. It was also a guarantee of an income stream. Because what you would do is once you caught this rash, you were able to have all the other kids in your class rubbing up alongside you because they knew that if they... It's a family show, so don't worry. They knew that if they caught this rash, okay, even the ugliest you know, unpopular, the kid that always got picked last, and Andy knows this because that was him, but the kid that was the untouchable, if they caught this rash called chicken pox, it was guaranteed two weeks off school and lots of wad. How many of you have done that when you went to school? Oh, come on now, stop it. Or was it just me? I am from the northeast. What I want you to do, what I want to say is this. There is a man that had an encounter with Jesus whose life would never be the same again. And I want to say to you this morning that Jesus wants to touch your life this morning. Not next week, not next month. He wants to touch your life now and make a difference and transform you and change your life, not just upside down, but the right way up. Many of us come in and say, I don't want to get to know God because if I get to know God, I'll lose control of my life and my life will be turned upside down. No, ladies and gentlemen, you will find freedom, number one, and number two, your life will be turned the right way up. Many of us, many of us are sitting here, we're all sitting here and we have the image of God. The Bible says that God created us with his image within us. You bear the image of God. But here's our problem, ladies and gentlemen. We create God in our own image and we serve it. And needless to say, it never satisfies and fulfills. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, there used to be a day when it said, if you have your Bibles with you, just turn to it, turn the pages. If you have your Bibles with you, if you'd like to switch it on, that would be really, really helpful. And we're going to read from the screen. And it's Matthew chapter 8. And I'll read... And you guys can follow. Jesus heals a man with leprosy, starting from verse 1. Matthew chapter 8. Large crowds followed Jesus 
as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Ladies and gentlemen, my 10 years in Tanzania allowed me to discover just that the stigma of leprosy still exists. And there's nothing changed from Jesus' time to night time. That when that disease of poverty, you're not born with it. This leper that we read about in the story is an outcast. He's forgotten. He's alone. He feels his life has little meaning. He asks himself, what's the point? Society says he's unclean. So much so that when this leper would walk around, if he saw people come to him, he would have to shout, unclean! And so that people could be warned away from him. He is the ultimate reject, the ultimate outcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the leper in this story is not just having a bad day, he's having a bad life. And in this story, Jesus is coming down from the mountainside, having just preached with thousands of people. And the leper wants to hit society's culture straight on. Because society's culture says, you don't belong here. How many of us have ever felt that way? We don't belong here. What's the point? Who am I? What is life all about? Is this how my life is going to be? This is not how I wanted my life to turn out. And in this story, the leper flies in the face of culture and he looks at this person, Jesus, and said, if you are who you say you are, you can turn my life around. And what I want to do over the next few moments is unpack the fact that not only did Jesus change this man's life forever, and he can do that for you and I this morning. So three Three things that I want to say. Everyone say three things. Oh, no, that was rubbish. Everyone say three things. Wonderful. The first thing is that we need to understand the problem. The leper says to Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I remember going, uh, I was late for a train, so I'm in my car. I've gone into the car park, and and lots of people have done this, but I've gone to my car park. I've had the, the window down on my driver's side. And I've parked the car, I'm checking the tr- my time, got to get to the train, and I press the button for my electric window to go up, nothing. Nothing moves. How many of you have ever had that experience? There's a little bit more response. Everyone this in the first service are going, no. I have a car that I have to wind. I don't have an electric one. And I'm standing, and I'm sitting there, and I'm pressing the button. And this window's not going up. And I'm licking my hands and I'm trying to push it up. And then I'm getting my hands on top of it and I'm pushing up. And nothing's, nothing's happening. Nothing's going there. I get outside the car, close the door. That was useless. Trying to get this window to go up. Then I thought, I'm a good Christian boy. I will prophesy to the window. And have you noticed when you prophesy, your voice changes? You know, in the name of Jesus. With a slight American accent. In the name of Jesus. Come up. <laughs> this, there was, there's people walking past me going, there's a bloke in a car 
talking to a window. In the name of Jesus. And that, nothing's happening. And then I'm going, right, tongues it is. Up. Nothing. See, what would have made the real difference is if I'd hit the right button. I didn't notice. The rear window was going up and down, up and down. And this thing at the front. Many of us are trying to live life and we're not hitting the right button. Two most important days I've already said. The day that we're born, the day that we find out why. Many of us live with the Columbus Syndrome. Do you know what Columbus Syndrome is? It's this. No idea where we're going. No idea where we are. And no idea where we've been. Because many of us, we, 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 we think that life is all about, let's get to that ladder, let's achieve this objective, let's hit that goal. And we climb the ladder of what society says that is success. And we get to the top of the ladder only to find that that ladder's propped against the wrong building. This isn't what we hoped for. Spend so much time and energy putting into life and getting nothing out of meaning. I meet so many people, my, even my colleagues in my profession who say, I've got everything, but there's this hole. There's this hole inside me. I don't know what it is. Jim Carrey said this, I wish that everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so that they would know that it's not the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, we are incredible beings, apart from you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> we are incredible beings. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are incredible. That was quite good, that. Any engagements at the end of the service, just let me know. I have a hat. I'm always available for weddings. Our lives have purpose and destiny written all over it. We are capable of such incredible creativity, adventure, and beauty. The list is endless, yet we don't look very far to see also that our ability and capacity to do incredible harm, both on a global scale and also in our individual lives. Ladies and gentlemen, for us this morning, there are things that you and I have said and done and thought that we're ashamed of that we just wish wasn't there, that we wish somehow it could go, that we could get rid of it, that somehow we could forget the memory but forget the hurt that goes with it. Equally, there are many of us in this room this morning where stuff has been done to us. People said things over our lives and we've lived with that label that has nothing to do with the destiny and the purpose of God over your life this morning. All it has to do is the fact that man only accepts you, society only accepts you, if you will meet their terms. We will love you if. Whereas we have a God that says, I love you because... For the leper, he wore his shame and his regret and his pain on the outside. That was clearly visible for everyone. Do you know what? We, we, we judge people and we factor our lives so much by our pain. Someone came up to me once after I'd spoken and said, Ian, have you had a stroke? I went, no. 
I'm just plain ugly. What's your excuse? I said, what? She said, well, every time you speak, your, your, your right lip goes up when you get really excited. You're all going to be lucky now, aren't you? Can you switch that? <laughs> For the leper, his shame and his regret and his pain was on the outside for everyone to see. Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. We carry around all our guilt and shame and regret on the inside. We pretend. We wear masks so that people can't get close enough to us to know exactly what makes us tick, but also how we feel inside. This is what we say. Whatever it takes to keep my carefully constructed image and reputation intact. The Bible says this, ladies and gentlemen. Romans 3, 23. All of us have messed up. All of us feel that way. All of us have done something that we wish had never happened, and that stuff is called sin. It's a bit of an old-fashioned phrase, but forgive me, let me explain it to you this way. That when, when we live, we live with us first, others second, and then our gods, whichever we want to serve, coming after that. But what God wants us to do, He wants us to put Him first, then others second, and us last. You see, the stuff in our lives that the, the Scripture, hopefully it'll come up on the screen, Romans 3.23. And what it is, it says that all of us have messed up. All of us have got stuff. And what that does is it separates us from that wonderful relationship with God. But there is hope this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? There is hope this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? Amen. Because the Bible also says in Psalm 103 verse 10, it said, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Ladies and gentlemen, you're sitting here this morning. There's stuff in your life, there's stuff in my life that we wish could get rid of. And we say this, I'll get this sorted before I go to God. No, it's already been done. He does not treat you as you and I deserve. That means you and I this morning don't have to come with any conditions. We can come as we are. The leper is saying to Jesus, despite my guilt and my shame, you can make a difference. Second thing. Everyone says second thing. The second thing is that we need to be surprised. We need to be surprised. When uh, me and Andy were going out with each other, she was a missionary, and we were visiting her home church. And uh, so, you know, we're standing by the, the, at the back, talking to people, and these two little girls, they must have been about eight or nine years old, and they'd been writing to Andy as the missionary. And they come up, and me and Andy are standing there, and they, they come up, and, are you Andy? Yes, I am. Are you the missionary? Yes, I am. Do you live in Tanzania? Yes, I do. And then they looked at me. And is this your dad? <laughs> Paul Brand, who was the, the, the inventor that uh, allowed uh, the medication to heal leprosy. There's a story that says this, that there was a, a 15-year-old boy who'd had leprosy for about four or five years. And Paul Brand is just walking into his clinic and he just saw the lad and they were talking together. But this young boy of 14 or 15 is severely disfigured with leprosy. And Paul Brand just 
pat him on the shoulder like that just, just to have some fun and just walk away to get more of his instruments. And he instantly hears this boy weeping in the background. And the nurse says, what you've done is the most incredible thing. And Paul says, what's that? He says, you touched him. You touched him because this young man, not Andy Lenton, but this young man had felt untouchable and unlovable for so many years. Whence transforming love is offered to us, our hearts tell us, ladies and gentlemen, that there must be a catch. It's too good to be true. God loved me. Look what I've done. God could never love me. God could never take my stuff and take it away. I'm not good enough. I will never let that happen to me again. I was surprised when I first came to church. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but for our guests this morning, can we just give all our guests a round of applause because you're really, really welcome. First time I went to church, it was exciting, and there was lots of music, and people were standing there, and they, and they were singing some fantastic songs, um, really packed theologically. The, the first one that I really can remember was the uh, I'm H-A-P-P-Y. I'm H, join in. I'm H-A-P-P-Y. I know I am. I'm sure I am. I'm H-A-P-P-Y. It's beautiful. The other one that this song was this. It isn't any trouble just to S-M-I-L-E. No, it isn't any trouble just to S-M-I-L-E. You used to sing those, didn't you? If you pack up all your troubles, they will vanish like a bubble. If you only take the trouble just to, join in, S-M-I-L-E. It's enough to make you V-O-M-I-T. Jesus doesn't respond in the way that the leper expects. He takes the watching crowd by, supply, by surprise. This man hasn't been touched for years. The last thing Jesus, the last thing this leper expected was for Jesus to risk taking on his filth. When Jesus touched the man and said, I am willing, that was a symbolic act that was flied in the, flied in the face of public opinion and culture. That was a public act where Jesus was saying, I am willing to get dirty with you. I am willing to identify with your darkness. I am not going to be a God that is distant. I am not going to be a God that says you have to achieve a certain standard to know me. I am going to get dirty with you. People have described Jesus as God with skin on. And this leper experienced that. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I can experience that too. If only we will invite Jesus to come and do that. There's a story that says there's a, an artist who had created so many wonderful paintings. People ask me, what is Christianity? Christianity is this, ladies and gentlemen, that the artist who'd created so many paintings, he's wandering around, he's in his 80s or 90s, and he's wandering around a, a village and into an antique store. He sees one of his paintings. He painted it years ago. And as he looks at the painting, it's a bit cracked, it's a bit dirty, the frame is a bit broken, and he buys the painting because it's his. And he takes the painting, and what he does is he cleans it, and he restores it, 
and he repositions it. Ladies and gentlemen, Christianity is this, that you and I belong to God. You and I were made to have a relationship with him. We weren't made, in a rela- we weren't made to go round and round in circles wondering what our lives are all about. We were designed to have that relationship with God. And Christianity is this, that through Jesus, he takes us and he cleans us and he restores us. And then he takes us and he says, this is where you were meant to be. And he puts us in the place where our lives make sense and where our lives make meaning. That's what Jesus did for this leper. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what Jesus wants us to do for us this morning. Can I ask you a question? What is your barrier? What is your stuff? What's the stuff that you would love Jesus to come and bring his forgiveness and his healing? The leper said, Lord, if you're willing. Jesus to you and I this morning, ladies and gentlemen, says... I am willing. What will we do? The power, and I'm going to start bringing things to a close now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to say conclusion because that will give you too much hope. But I'm going to start bringing things to a close now. What I've discovered is that power comes from His presence in our lives. Power comes from his presence in our lives. I support Sunderland. Forgive me, it's wrong. It isn't the will of God for me, but it's that one area of rebellion that I'm working on, okay? But I support Sunderland, and in the old days, there was, we had Roker Park. We didn't have the Stadium of Light or anything like that. And in Roker Park, the game is going on. There's thousands of people, and there's a, a, a man there, a dad with his daughter. But in the middle of the crowd... There is, there is this huge, I mean, he's absolutely huge, be, bigger than Anthony Joshua, anything like that. And he's got a face that has been rearranged several times. His nose is around the side. He's got love and hat on his knuckles because he's lost his little finger where the E used to be. He's got a pork pie hat. He's got a big leather jacket. And without going into details, ladies and gentlemen, he is shouting obscenities at everything and anything that moves and breathes. And at half time, this little girl looks at this big monstrosity of a man and says, You are a horrible, horrible, disgusting. Little man. People suddenly went, oh, is that the time? (laughs) People were taking bets on whether the child would live or die or carried out. Why could a small child confront what was not meant to be right? It was because she was in the arms of her dad. When we feel, ladies and gentlemen, the embrace and the touch of a God who says, I love you no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter how bad life has been, no matter what life has been for you in the past, no matter what it's like for now, we serve a God, ladies and gentlemen, and a Jesus, God with skin on, that when his embrace comes, power is released to us to live the lives the way that we should. Amen?
When was the last time, ladies and gentlemen, that because of you or I, people stood up and said, my marriage is so much better because of so-and-so. My thinking is so much better. My, my life is so much better. My, my, my relationships are so much better. My work is so much better. My, my life is so much better because so-and-so. Because very clearly, what I want to say this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is that today, millions and millions of people's lives, millions and people are saying every day, every day, because of Jesus, my marriage is restored. Because of Jesus, I think better. Because of Jesus, I know his love. Because of Jesus, I know his forgiveness. Because of Jesus, my life makes sense. Because of Jesus, my past will not invade my present, and it certainly won't paralyze me for my future. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of Jesus. It doesn't have to be in a Bible story. It can happen to you today, and then your life has changed for forevermore. Amen? Here's the problem. You've got to ask him. Final thing I want to say. We need to change our minds. If our greatest need was for information, then God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need was money, then God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, then God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And that's why God sent us a savior. I was at 8,000 feet with Mary, my, my Tanzanian dental nurse. And we're, we're flying and it's, it's a beautiful day and there's no turbulence and everything, everything is fine. And me and Mary are chatting together and all of a sudden the plane is going everywhere. It's going up and down and round and I'm, and Mary, I'm looking at Mary and she's putting a parachute on. It's just like, this is not great. And Mary's a black Tanzanian lady and she looks green. It's not good situation. I'm wondering what is going on. I'm looking out the window, no clouds, nothing. And I've just, and then I look ahead in the cockpit and there in the co- cockpit is the pilot, the pilot who was given the controls to his brother, who's not a trained pilot. And so his pilot, his pilot brother, he's having a whale of a time. Woo! And he's going, and I can see them talking to each other in the headpiece. And the pilot's going, just go a bit left. Whoa, not too far, come back. Me and Mary are having a whale of a time, whereas this guy's just trying to fly our plane. I pick up a very heavy piece of kit. I shouldn't have done this, but I did. And I wore through it forward in the cockpit. Never do that in a plane. It's not a good idea. And I hit the pilot on the back of the head. He turns round and I mouth to him this. I mouth to him, will you please fly the plane? Will you, this plane that I'm in, will you please fly it? At which point he grabs hold of the controls and flies the plane and everything is restored. Romans 10, 13. If we can just push up that phrase for me, please. That what we need to do, ladies and gentlemen, is that we need to call on the person who can direct and guide and fly the plane of our lives so that we are safe 
and we know exactly where we were going. The Bible says this, that everyone, this leper, you, me, everybody, that if we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. That means that relationship with God is restored. That means that we can understand who we are. That means that we can live life to its fullness that Jesus promised us. My simple question is this, as I close, will you this morning, will you acknowledge that the stuff that's not right, that it causes that separation between you and God, will you change your mind? And like this leper that you will say, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, will you be, as this verse says, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? One of our leprosy friends is called Christina. And my wife found her one day crying. And she said, why are you crying, Christina? And she couldn't say much because of the tears. But she took a kanga, which is a Tanzanian skirt, and she took her and she revealed her burnt leg. Being a leper means that you can't feel anything. And she'd fallen in the fire during the night because she didn't feel it. But she, then she woke up and just was disgusted by the disfigurement. And the truth is this, ladies and gentlemen, that the love of Jesus can only heal what we choose to reveal. John 10 verse 10 says this. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to its full. Life, not half full, but the love and the forgiveness of Jesus can only heal in us what we choose to reveal. And that means simply saying this, Lord, here I am. If you're willing, make me clean. Ladies and gentlemen, what I would like to do now is just pray. I'd like to pray for us and with us. And it's a prayer that I'm going to ask you to respond this morning. And I'm going to ask you to respond in a, in a couple of ways. But for those of you that are here as guests, you're welcome. But I want to pray for us that we are going to pray that prayer that says, Lord, come into my life. Lord, come and heal me. Come and take away the sin in my life. Come and forgive me so that my relationship with you can be restored. So I'd like everyone's heads to be bowed and eyes to be closed. And I'm going to pray. I don't want you to pray it out loud. I want you to pray it with me inside your heart. And the prayer goes like this. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you see me with all my faults, with my sin, with my stuff. And Jesus, today, I want you to come into my life to forgive me, to heal me. I want that relationship with you. Lord Jesus, if you are willing, make me clean. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit so that I may leave this place knowing that you are in my life and that I am free to live for you. While everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer, you may not, 
you're here as a guest or you may have followed Jesus, but your relationship with Jesus has not been what it wants to be. And you know that you need to get back to him. But while everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer saying, Lord Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Just raise your hand so I can see. Just raise your hand as high as you can so I can see it. As high as you can. There are some ushers. Keep it raised. There are some ushers that are just coming to give a little booklet to you. If you pray that prayer, Lord Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Just raise your hand now for me. That's great. There's people over here. Just continue to keep your hand raised. This is an opportunity for you to get that relationship back with Jesus, that forgiveness that God wants to give you, that freedom that God wants to give you this morning. If you prayed that prayer, just continue to raise your hand so that we can give you a small gift. Just leave it a few more moments. Amen. And for those of us that are remaining, I'd like us just to open our eyes and look this way. Heaven says that whenever a person steps from death to life and gives their lives to Jesus, there's one huge knees up that's going on in heaven right now. So let's give our, our friends who have just given their lives to Jesus this morning a huge round of applause and a welcome. So I'm going to invite the band up and, uh, and let's stand together, ladies and gentlemen. If we're able, just stand. If some of us need to go, that's fine. But really felt strongly, not only in the first service, but also now that There are many of us that carry, and this is for us in the house of God, ladies and gentlemen, but again, for for those of us that have perhaps followed Jesus at a distance, we now need to come closer, but we don't come closer because like the leper, like the man in the story, we just think that there's some stuff that actually we just can't take to him. And you've asked Jesus to forgive you, but you just can't forget it. And every time you think about a circumstance or something that was said over you or that you did, and the regret and the pain and the shame that goes with that, it's like a knife that just goes in and it stops you. And it's stuff from your past, but it's affecting your present and it's paralyzing for your future. Because ladies and gentlemen, when the touch of Jesus comes, there is life. When the touch of Jesus comes, there is life. God didn't design us, and Jesus certainly didn't die for us, so that we could remain trapped and enslaved. He died for us, and on the cross, when he, was, when he died, when he was risen again, the power that transformed him into life is available to you and I, and it's available this morning. So we're going to sing a song, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to worship. We're going to call on the name of Jesus again. But I want to give you an opportunity, guests. I want to give you an opportunity, those who have held Jesus at a distance. I want to give you an opportunity, church. That where you're saying to Jesus right now, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean of this. 
or you can make me clean of this. The word of God to you this morning is this, I am willing. And what I'm going to ask you to do is if that's you, and there might be one or two, there might be not, but I'm going to ask you as you worship, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. Where members of the ministry team are just going to pray for you. And all they're going to do, not going to embarrass you, they're just going to simply say, in the name of Jesus. Because I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I don't want to just do church for a meeting. What I want to do is when the people of God get together and heaven comes down, I want people to walk out of that door, me included, and my life is, st- is never the same again. Because of the power of God and the power that raised Jesus from the dead and his unconditional love comes into my life and I don't have to look behind me anymore and the devil can't accuse me anymore and I can start living in the fullness of life that he promised me and that most importantly he bought me. So as we worship, take a step and allow this Jesus who loves you more than you will ever know to come and take your stuff and bring freedom because that's why he died. All right, let's worship.